From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. The music this morning was in honor of our special guest interview today, uh, Mr. Mike McClendon. So we wanted to, he, uh, that's his favorite artist, so we decided, so the intro, Old Time Rock and Roll, and we will finish with another song that he requested uh, at the end of the interview. So, uh, but before we get an interview, Matt, uh, tell us about the uh, sponsors that we have today. This special episode of the UTW Podcast brought to you by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group has been, as our, been our presenting sponsor now for the last three months, and we certainly thank them for believing in us, moving into 2021, expecting great things from both Team Couch of Birch Realty Group and the UTW Podcast. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group is the number one residential real estate team in DeSoto County. They possess over 63 years of combined real estate experience and over 25,000 closings since 2009, an absolute decade of being heavily involved in the DeSoto County residential real estate market. The team over at Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, led by Brian Couch and Terry Thomas, ready to serve you for any buying or selling needs you may have of residential real estate. Reach out to them at 662-449-1700. 662-449-1700 or teamcouch.com. Give them a call to see why they're one of the top teams in the country when it comes to residential real estate. Special episode this morning recorded at the How to Barbecue Right Studios. How to Barbecue Right is located right here in Hernando. The store is right past Connection Gym. Most of us know where Connection Gym is on Memphis Street. Just go about another 500 yards on the left-hand side and you're going to see How to Barbecue Right. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking, uh, including rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, and high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos on YouTube, you definitely need to stop by and check out the new store. You can call them at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Or on Facebook at the letter H... The number two, the letter Q, Malcolm's Shop. That's capital H, number two, capital Q, Malcolm's Shop on Facebook. Or stop by and see them at their new store down Memphis Street, right past Connection Gym. And we certainly thank them for being our studio sponsor for 2021. North Point Christian School is excited to start school back this week. Yesterday, they welcomed 17 new students. These students in grades PK through 12 decided they just couldn't wait for next fall and are joining the North Point family at the opening of the spring semester this January. Over the last couple months, NCS has encouraged parents, families, and students interested in North Point to come see them at their safe and socially distanced monthly Preview the Point open house events. Many have taken them up on their invitation to campus and have observed directly how North Point upholds the strictest health and safety guidelines while maintaining continuity and learning excellence both online and in person. If you're interested in learning more about North Point and how this amazing school community might serve your student, their next preview, The Point Open House, will be on Sunday, January 24th at 2 p.m. Reservations are required and can be made by calling Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127 Again, 662-349-5127. Podcast also brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. 
Richard specifically wanted me to start to impress on our listeners, the UTW podcast listeners, that they handle fencing. That's new fences. That's repair of fences, gates, anything like that. If you're thinking about a new fence in any way for your property, please reach out to Richard and his team at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or look them up on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, longtime Hernando resident and alderman for the city. They are located at 11 West Commerce Street, right here in Hernando, and they are made up of a great team with 118 years of insurance experience. They provide uh, insurance for your auto, home, business, and life. You can compare them, their coverage, their service, and the price with any other insurance agency, and you'll find out that they have uh, the best of what's up to offer. Please call them. At 662-429-5213, again, 662-429-5213, you can call them, you can email them, or stop by the agency again at 11 West Commerce Street and see any of their licensed team members to see how Lauderdale Insurance Agency can help you with your insurance needs. And lastly this morning, podcast brought to you by Magical Destinations of Hernando, locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations, locally owned and operated here in Hernando. Give them a call today. Start planning your magical getaway. Call them at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. Thank you to our advertisers, our presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group, and certainly our studio sponsor, uh, How to Barbecue Right, for uh, hosting us this morning and, and, and being a part of the show and continue to do that. And thank you to all the advertisers that we just mentioned. Uh, we don't want to make too long of the, sh- of the advertisers and the, and the show uh, because the interview had the pleasure of sitting down with Mike McLennan on Monday uh, for a wonderful interview with an alderman of the city of Hernando and also the state senator down in Jackson for this area. So just a really s- solid interview. Uh, got to know him a lot more. And uh, we hope you enjoy the interview. We're going to go to it now. All right, we want to welcome this morning Michael McClendon. He is the uh, Alderman Ward 4 of the City of Hernando and also the State Senator District 1. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, uh, everyone out there in radio land or blog land, whatever this might be. Again, we wanted to have Mike on this morning because we're just really looking forward to the start of the Senate session. But before we get into that and, and before we uh, we also want to look, of course, at his Alderman side and everything that, that's gone on, on that side of it. Mike, tell us kind of where you're originally from, how long you've been in DeSoto County and, and, and in the Hernando area. Originally, I am uh, from Simpson County, Mississippi. I'm a seventh generation Mississippian. Daddy was... Uh, poor sharecropper family down there. Mom, uh, her father had 38 acres and a mule, and uh, daddy got a job at Macray's, came lady shoe buyer, and in uh, 1970 took the lady shoe buyer job at Goldsmiths, and since we moved to Memphis, and I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, Whitehaven. Vicki and I, my wife Vicki Blythe, MacLendon, got married in 1989. We were looking for a place to live, looked uh, Memphis, and I had worked at with Larry Chamberlain, at McKellar Golf Course at Airways and Shelby Drive. Fletcher Couch had lived down here, grew up here. And we said, hey, we'll go visit and uh, love the place. And uh, April of 89, we bought a house, 389 West Valley. We got married in May, and we would not move in that house because it seemed like everybody knew 
we were that couple from Memphis behind this house, and we knew no one other than a handful of people. So our first night in the house was the night we got married. Kind of old-fashioned, and uh, but that's the way I am. Old-fashioned and uh, love this place and want to want to see it, see it stay. So that'll put you right at 30 years. Be 31 years in April. We own that house. 31 years in April. And, that's and our family grew. We had two boys back to back and had to move. So we were walking around the block one day and uh, a fellow was at the street right around the corner from us, 2245 Memphis Street. He said, I'm selling this house. I'm not going to put a sign in the yard. I don't want any casino people buying it. I want a family. I said, well, Mr. Fletcher, we can't afford this house. He goes, yes, you can. He said, come on up here. Let me make you a deal. And that's how we ended up there. Built in 1894 and just an old frame house that needed work. Now they call it the historic district. Hey, I grew up, that the, the, your home's really close to a funeral home. I grew up in the funeral business. And actually, we rented the house from the Ainsworths uh, right there behind. Two rented houses the, down exactly, from me. Two houses yes. down. Where Miss Sarah grew yeah. up. Yeah, rented that house for a couple of, uh, well, about six, seven months while we were building ours. That, that area is just such a special place right there, close to the funeral home and the dip and, and, and now Uncle Bubba's and so forth. So, like you said, all, over 25 years living right there. It's the heart of Fernando. Everybody seems to want to move there. Uh, houses are going for now. They, the price of people will buy the house and then gut the house. Right. And it's amazing the value of those homes. We're proud of it. Like you say, it's walking distance everything. It gets a little contrary when a fair parking sure. and but about nine thirty it goes to sleep. The dip shuts down and there's no more traffic on Highway fifty one. You said that you moved uh, he was kinda of worried about the casino people, so I'm assuming you bought it after ninety two. So the casinos have been open in 92. So what, what year did you buy? May of 94. May of 94. <laughs> there you go. He, he inherited. We're the third family that, that have lived there. We bought the house from Fletcher Manning, who had inherited the home from uh, Frank Welch. He had gotten it from his father-in-law who built the home. They did an addition. They uh, did some porch work. We had to modernize it. But it's home. It's yeah. the only place my kids know. So tell us a little bit before you, you got to your foray into politics. Tell us a little bit what, what you did, that, how you made your living. Started at McKellar Golf Course when I was 15 turning the water on at nighttime for the greens made my way up to uh changing tires and then selling hot dogs at the counter inside and uh, george digby was my boss was going to memphis state looking for a direction and uh, i liked hanging out at the golf course L loved it got into the uh, pga apprenticeship it carried me to the worst place Probably condition-wise to work at a golf course, which was McKellar at the time, where airplanes flew over the top of your head, and to work at the world's best resort, Koalina, Hawaii. St worked there for two years. Came back after a two-year stint in Hawaii, worked at TPC, Southwind, and lo and behold, our neighbor on Valley Street, Myron Tollison, uh, happened to be the agency manager at Farm Bureau Insurance. And Laney Funderburg was working there at the same time, and he said, you ever thought about selling insurance? And I said, no, but y'all play golf a lot more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I took the test, did all that work, and started May of 94 as a Farm Bureau insurance agent, and now for 27 years been in insurance. Now I work at Lipscomb and Pitt's last seven. It's a pretty good living. It, no. uh, it's satisfying because um, you see people in need when a tornado comes through or a tragedy. You're there to help. At what point did you say, hey, I want to be involved in local politics, involved in being a bigger part of the city of Hernando, Some, something, you know, try and be involved uh, when it comes to serving others in, in city politics? My first stint in politics was going with uh, mom and daddy to the voting uh, booths when I was a little kid in Jackson, and that was in the 60s. So, and how tumultuous. You think back how it was then in the 60s in Jackson, Mississippi, right. protesters and that kind of thing, and registering uh, African-Americans to vote. So, you know, 
it was always neat to me for them to go up there and, and close the curtain mm-hmm. and, and do that. So I, I've always voted in presidential elections when I was 18, mayoral elections in Memphis. And then when Vicki and I moved down here, we would always vote in the mayor race or alderman race. You know, I was minding my own business, just cutting my front yard, <laughs> cutting the grass, which That's I love works, to do. Yeah. Get on get on the Kubota, cut the sure. grass. And across the street from me is Highway 51, where the dip, Wadsworth Clinic, the drugstore, and Dr. and Miss Wadsworth lived there on the corner. A red rezoning sign was being put up. So I went over after they got through and looked at it, and it said rezoning going to the planning commission from residential to C2. And, you know, I had no clue really what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it would be commercial, but what could happen? And uh, you said couches were in real estate. Right. Uh, this happened to be uh, their mother's property right. after Miss Wadsworth passed away. Right. After. Uh, a few meetings at uh, planning commission and it passed the neighborhood really wasn't quite happy with the ramifications could be it went to the alderman meeting and and a pretty good gathering got up steve Pittman and i tried to organize it and after a number of negotiations it got down to where it was on c4 which was the best thing that could happen to the neighborhood and the city because as it was it C2, it could have been torn down, the old house, built in 1932. Mm -hmm. And that's what Hernando prides itself on. So uh, the couches were looking after the property as well as the neighbors. And and it was a perfect combination. Fairway Mortgage Mm -hmm. bought the home, Mm -hmm. restored it. It's it's a gateway to the entrance of downtown. First thing you see is you come underneath the railroad track. I thought Steve Pittman was going to run for alderman. And he said he had a conflict that he could not. So an hour before it was too late to sign up. I went and paid the money right. and signed up. And it wasn't because I wanted to be somebody's voice or that kind of thing. It was because I was pissed off. Can I say that on here? Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I was mad. It wasn't the reason over the rezoning. It was It was more of the alderman. I like him to this day. He did great things. He was also selling the property, and he couldn't uh, represent the property and the people. So he had to recuse himself. I just didn't think that was right. Derek and I have talked a lot. I mean, obviously, in the last two months with presidential elections, national elections, things like that, uh, Derek said something right after the election. You know, uh, politics is local. And we should know more about Donald Trump and Joe Biden than we should about our aldermen or who could help us uh, fill a pothole in. Uh, in our street and that's something that's important to Derek and I so and that's exactly what happened to start your political career was really just paying attention to a, a red zoning sign what's going on in your area and so that's what got you motivated to go and pay the money and and become an alderman how long ago was that that was going on uh eight years now eight and a half okay uh this term runs out July 1st, 21. And uh, that was going on in 2012 because I was elected in 2013. You know, I hear candidates running for alderman now that, you know, want to be your voice and want to make Hernando stronger. And and that's great. I didn't do it for that. I just got mad. And that motivated me. And and being in the service industry where in the golf business and, and at the resort, you're strictly, you're there for the people insurance you know it feels like all i do is pay money to the insurance company but you are taking on that risk for that person for this amount of money and you are working for them so i took that as every day how would i want my wife treated how would i want um, if, if my mom had something wrong you know where she lives and i, I just i treat everyone um, as if their house was sitting next door to my house and that's the way i look at it, whether it be Grandma's got a dead possum in the driveway. Somebody come pick it up. Or I've got a ditch eroding at three subdivisions up Highway 51. How you fix it? Well, 
that's got to be federal money. So you go to Washington, you you lobby Cindy Hyde-Smith, Trent Kelly, Roger Wicker, you show them pictures. This is what we've got. This is how close it's gotten. This is how far it's happened in the last three years, five years. We're making headway. They're supposed to work on that ditch late summer or this fall. So you would see politics, especially local politics, is, hey, I don't know what's going on necessarily right outside your house, but educate me on what's going on so I can be, like you said, I can be your voice to the city alderman or I can be your voice to the parks department or anything like that, right? That's kind of what you see as a, a local alderman being. Yes. I had the advantage of working 19 years on that square. So I, I had the vibe and the feel of Hernando. I coached every sport there was. Two boys. They're 14 months apart. They're now 27 and 28. They started when they were three and four years old at T-ball. We were either on the same team or coaching two teams every other year. Had the pleasure of helping start HIFA, Hernando Youth Football Association. Buck Scruggs, Jason Canton, Eddie O'Bannon, myself, Danny Carter at Sports of All Sorts. There was no football here. Started with one team, went down, played in the Senatobia League. We won. The next year we had three teams and it, it just morphed into a really cool thing. Unfortunately, where we were playing, the old high school football field, it had too much play on it. Folks coming out with soccer, flag football, dog park, just running. And, and, and it deteriorated where uh, they could, it was unplayable. And uh, we worked a deal with the uh, school system, and they moved out to the middle school and then played the Super Bowl at the high school, and it was really, really cool. Now the schools this year wouldn't let any – extracurriculars at any facility. So unfortunately, uh, the Hernando Youth Football had to go to Horn Lake, which I find a travesty, Mm -hmm. where we've got soccer fields, but yet we couldn't let them play on. Was that ever approached? I don't necessarily know. Do you know? Where they uh, I, mean, I, know I know we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. But no, not I mean not. I know. I know it was not approached with the HSA. Yeah, I don't the know about Hernando. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never thought about that. So that's a multiplex, you know, and we can go on a tangent about a multiplex sports facility. That not being a city program, it's a privately, it's where the gray area comes in. And, uh, but yeah, anything uh, Hernando related, we need to take care of our own. You had mentioned that, you know, one of the projects about the ditch. Uh, and what has, you know, when, and after you got mad enough to become an alderman, <laughs> what were some of the things that you hoped to accomplish once you got in there and really saw what the job was about? And then kind of tell us maybe two or three of the of things that you're very proud that you know that you kind of pushed along and helped accomplish. When, uh, when we were going through the rezoning at Mrs. Wadsworth's house, there was nothing online about city agendas, planning commission. The only way to find out was to go to City Hall the uh, night of the meeting and show up. Now, you could go the Friday before if you were astute enough to to know, other than driving by one of those red rezoning signs and it would have the date and the time, or knowing that the city meetings are first and third Tuesdays, six o'clock, city hall, you never really knew what city business was happening. There were very few people in the audiences unless it pertained to that uh, area Correct. where it be. So my, uh, my whole thing was transparency. So after about six, nine months, we got the agendas put online, which was a huge step. We had gotten out of the dark ages. We say dark ages. Now you look back now and, oh, you got the agenda on. That was huge. Also, the cemetery had gotten uh, had gotten in pretty bad shape, and uh, the, it was it had fell on the park, uh, Parks Department shoulders, and they had uh, enough work. They said I'd gotten a call one morning, and it was uh, C.K. Dilworth's uh, 
family, and they said, can you meet me out here? The uh, grave was about four feet down. You were dirted, caved in, and it, it was just, it was in, it needed repair all over. So uh, we got that changed to uh, Public Works, uh, relieved the Parks Department a little bit of, of that burden. I try to communicate. As, as much as I can. Facebook's been a wonderful tool for us, and I say us, it's a family affair when we do this. My wife, Vicki, uh, and I, our kids, you know, when you get in politics, in this day and time, you're out there and you better have some thick skin. And I question, I, I don't mind questioning, what's this paid for again? What are we doing this? How do we make it better? Just because we did it in the past, does that make it right? It's, it's uh, I'm really, I'm one of the first moved that moved to Hernando, 1989. When we moved here, it was less than 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. This next census, I, I think it'll be 20. And and when, when we moved here, I mean, I'm 26 years old. I'm 57. So, you know, I'm one of the old people now, or, or getting older. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, you know, I don't feel older in mine. But uh, the average age in Hernando is, is close to 40 years old or, or less. 30, 37. 30, 37, okay. So um, the um, it, it's good to get those people that age group involved, not just because my kids playing, get involved. You know, the crew does a wonderful job with all the stuff they did. For Christmas, the soccer fields they did, everything. The young women's group, church park, all that stuff. It takes a village to raise kids. And we're here for a short time. And Hernando's been here since 1832, and I don't know how long the Indians had it before that. Don't mess it up, you know, in the 30 years you're here. Try to preserve what we have and enhance Whatever comes, I always looked at rezoning as, well, enhance what's already here. Make it better. Mm -hmm. Don't drag us down. Don't keep us back. Lift us up. People move here for three reasons. Small town charm, it's safe, and the schools. Absolute three reasons. It wasn't because we had a super sports complex. It wasn't because our home values are dirt cheap. Well, they are compared to other parts of the country. But in the county, no. It's a great place to live, raise kids, as we all know. And uh, the secret's out. I'm sorry. You can't be the last one to move here because I would have tried 31 <laughs> years ago. But you can be a good steward of the place and pass it on. I have selfish reasons. I want my two boys to come back here and raise their families. Some people will say, well, Mike, you're not letting starter homes or small apartments. How can they come back? They can come back. They study hard. They get good jobs and work hard. People that ask me about uh, starter homes and apartments, and I'll go on this tangent. We don't have any. Well, we've got a few. Um, how many is enough? Well, how far is it? How far is too far for a person to drive to go to work that lives in an apartment? So do they have to live in Hernando, or can they live 10 miles away? I drive 35 miles to work at Lipscomb and Pitts. I don't know. That's a, that's the questions I ask the planners. Milton Kirkendall and Corey Usselton will tell you the, the reason Hernando schools and Lewisburg schools are at the top of the chart is because there's so few rental properties and everyone owns their home and they're vested. Horn Lake, Olive Branch, a lot of rentals. They get a lot of inner city uh, Memphis kids that come down rent, go to school, and they're back. I don't blame them, I would too. It's the number one school district in the state. So one of the things that I would like to see, I would like for us to get a handle on all our rental properties we have, apartments as well as houses. And if people have rental houses, and I've got four, assess those people because they're making money on them. So if you assess those, because it's a business, right now they're not getting homestead exemption tax. Okay. Well, all the houses are pretty much underappraised. So are we really getting the money that we should be getting? No. Am I for taxes? No, not for adding taxes. 
but some things you have to have money to sustain. You have to have money for quality of life. That's one way of doing it. You can get an assessment because are those people really giving back to the community? Or are they just using the, because we're caretakers of this place. Like you know, someone told me at one time, and I said, you know, that, you're right. We're caretakers of this place for just a certain length of time and uh, use it well and uh, make it better for the next generation. Wrapping up an eight-year term or eight-year, um, two four-year terms as an alderman, now serving in the state of Mississippi Senate for this area. We'll stay in Hernando for a second. You just mentioned, from what I can tell, excited about younger or opportunities. I'm saying this to say the people that have publicly said they're going to run for alderman uh, are a bit younger than the people that are stepping away from being aldermen. You're no longer going to be an alderman. Gary Higdon has already said he's not going to run again. Kathy Brooks is not going to run again. So it's an opportunity for, lack of a better word, some new blood to be at the uh, in the city uh, board of aldermen seats. What do you feel about, th- about that, or what are you uh, excited about for, for that to happen? Well, first on how I feel about it, it, it it's heart-wrenching for me to give up the alderman seat sure. because I care. And I, I have tried to uh, be involved in every single thing that goes on in the city because I care. And most people, when they get into politics, we all have the same goals. We want the best for, for our city. But uh, you can become stagnant after a while, or you can become, uh, I wouldn't say complacent. You become set in your ways and uh, blinders uh, with new ideas. I, I really didn't want to... Uh, not run again but it's a lot with uh going to jackson being down there for four months and uh like tomorrow night we have a city meeting well i've got to call in because we start session tomorrow tuesday at 12 o'clock i'm excited though with with the new faces the new names that that i hear Uh, today's first day of sign up so officially we have no one uh, signed up uh, but natalie lynch will be approved tomorrow night for uh Mr. Sonny Bryant's uh, seat. Uh, I love Mr. Sonny dearly, uh, and he was in there a good while, uh, and he did great things for Hernando. Natalie will, uh, was the only one that qualified for that, that new alderman's seat, so she will be in tomorrow. She will have to run again come April. Whether she has an opponent then, we'll see. You know, we just redistricted the wards. There was uh, some anxiety over that, but it was something that needed to be done. It, it wasn't fair for some of the wards to have 3,500 to 4,000 people with this new census coming out. Some of them will have, would have had 4,000 or more. And for, and for others to have 900 to 2,000. I mean, it, it just wasn't fair for, for those citizens. And we're the, here for the citizens. We're here for the people of Hernando, not for that alderman of that ward. Because um, you represent whoever's in there. But we've gotten over that. And the past boards have set a great base have set Hernando on a great track. We've done something right because why do people continue want to move here? Businesses are starting to creep in. There's a lot of things that I can't talk about that are on the horizon, which will go, well, Mike, I thought you were for transparency. Well, in the right time. In the right time, yes, because uh, there's still negotiations going on with land. You have a couple of companies going head-to-head for certain spots. It's... uh, it's a good thing. The, the the names that I've heard that are running, good business people, and that's what we need. We need business-minded people. We need uh, people that are involved with children and people that are involved in the community itself. Do you ever catch yourself in a meeting and say, have we spent 45 minutes on this? <laughs> 
some of the stuff some of the stuff that's more difficult than it should be and there's other things that are easier that you're probably surprised it was easier than it was you know if i ask a question in that meeting i normally 90 percent of the time i already know the answer right exactly i just want the people out there well you gotta get it on record i need to get it on record but i just want and before covid we were they were packed out there in those city meetings right it seemed like I don't know if it was one controversial thing after another because controversy brings people in, sure. or people. Desoto Times was the only game in town, uh, news-wise, and you guys have uh, have really stepped it up on the broadcasting information. And I thank both of you, but Desoto Times and Robert Lee Long did a great job of covering Hernando City meetings. You can ask Robert Lee Long; he he would tell you that the Hernando City meetings were the last of the old time political meetings because they were everything was discussed it wasn't okay we had a meeting before the meeting and and this is a agenda went boom everything was stamped rubber stamped 30 minutes but yeah uh they do get a little tedious and uh I, i might be at times guilty of stretching some out but i just want the public to know everything that could possibly the good the bad and the ugly so is there anything not talking about the, the things that you can't talk about but anything that you want to see done in your last six months uh in office that you would you hope that gets accomplished you know kind of from what you know that that will probably be brought up over the next few months we're in desperate need of an animal shelter there's been uh, wonderful volunteers that have helped with that we put aside two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in a bond money and then borrowed more so we're up to half a million I believe we've got the site which is at uh, renaissance park I, I would like to see that done i'd also like to see at the present time we rent baseball facilities from the rotary and the saddle club i would i would like to you know that senatobia park is wonderful down there on the interstate i would love to have seen if we could have had a recreational park like that on we've got two interstates 55 and 69 i would love to see something like that in one of ours there's still a chance there's some big blocks of land out there that that could happen. Renaissance Park could be more of a nature park, which I really think would be a wonderful idea because it's got a big creek that runs through it. It's more of a nature type a preserve. Green spot. Yeah, a green, a green park. The baseball facility with, with the lights and all could be right there at the park. It'd be a showcase. I would love to see that. Mackinville Road, I, I see light at, you know, <laughs> the exit's gonna be there. And that, that's gonna, a whole new ball game will start for Hernando. you're talking about commercial you know when i first ran eight years ago i knocked on every door in the ward every one of them whether they're democrat republican uh go to hell whatever you know wouldn't answer dogs chase you whatever it might be and it was in the rain pretty much that first year and people would say you know i'll go to lowe's or home depot 14 miles don't bring it here i don't want the crime and stuff that comes with it Uh, i like where i live well you know that's all fine and dandy, but you got to have money to resurface roads. Oh, yeah, I need a pothole fix out here. Um, you've got to have a first responders, uh, police, fire, ambulance. you got to be able to pay for that. Uh, you got to be able to have qualified people. And do you want to lose them, have a turnover rate to Memphis, South Haven, Olive Branch? And should we be competing with those cities? Um, and those are questions that, that folks uh, that are coming in, alderman-wise, uh, are going to have to answer. It's, uh, it's a fine line of um, 
this is how much money you got. This is where you're going to spend it. And, um, but there will be commercial uh, with that Mackinville Road coming, uh, which would be great. It would be wonderful. What kind of commercial? That will be up to, uh, you know, the future board. And, um, and I hope to, uh, you know, being in the Senate, and I'll talk about Senate here in just a second, but uh, I'm still around, and, and, and anybody can ask me whatever, you know, my thoughts I've had a couple call and um, just to let me know, hey, I'm thinking about running and uh, um, what, what got you in it and, and what did you try to do? Uh, I, I, I read every piece of paper in this packet and I brought y'all a packet from October and two inches thick over there, two and a half. So it takes a while, especially when you get it on Friday night and you don't want to look at it on Friday. So you start on Saturday and you got a meeting on Tuesday. Well, you may have four rezonings in that, and you also got mm, 50 pages of, uh, of uh, claims where you're paying out. Well, do you have the money for those? Well, you hope you do. Um, then you've got, um, you know, different issues. Then you got employment. You're hiring, and then you, if, God forbid, you had to uh, look at someone disciplinary. You hope that never happens, but it does. And uh, I don't know, those are things that uh, I hope we continue to build on our uh, – we, we can't lose our hometown charm. we, we, we got to continue to make that square as good as it can be. Gia Matheny does a great job with all the stuff she does. And I, I would hope that our, uh, our planning department requires some of these builders to – let's don't do all cookie-cutter homes. Let's don't let – okay this is a subdivision did i change subdivisions oh um why not do some old uh victorian looking homes if it's in hernando they're going to sell you and it doesn't matter really what price point you put it at i'm sure they're you know you get to a certain price point it gets tougher in the state we're gonna we're trying to make things uh easier for uh people with money to stay in Mississippi. The state income tax is one where uh, you may have a company here, but the CEO doesn't live here or the board, board of directors don't live here. Um, they live in Collierville. They live in Germantown. Why can't they live here? Uh, my wife uh, flies jets for international paper. They have 14 people uh, in the aviation department. She's the only one that lives in DeSoto County. Why is that? I ask them. Well, we don't want to pay the you know, state income state tax. Income tax. Um, well, we love Mississippi. We don't mind. We do mind when it comes April, but uh, but that's that's one of the things in the state we're going to look at, along with a number of things. This this Senate seat is. Uh, I get asked, you know, why you why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do this? I didn't feel that uh, Hernando was being represented as well as it should have been. I asked people, who's your state senator? And folks in Hernando, really, again, when we started eight years ago, every day we try to do something on social media. What's happening? What are we doing? So I, I just thought if Hernando is the center of District 1, maybe we should have somebody from Hernando in it. And not that I, Hernando is the only thing that uh, I focus on when I'm down there. It is forefront. It's a big part. It is a huge part. 
if you look at the boxes, uh, the number that were the votes, those three Hernando boxes are, are huge. Well, I mean, it's a, it, with the southern part of the county. Where the, uh, we stretch, you know, basically half the southern part of the county. And we have the population center. Now, I'm not saying Lewisburg won't get there at some point and what happens with that and how the, the borders work between Isle Branch and Hernando, that's, a, that's in the future. But, I mean, you're right. There's, there's so many right here uh, representing the southern part of the county, which is different than State Line Road. Goodman Road, uh, and so we different opinions, different people that live here, and so you're right. It needs its own representative, and and you know I, I couldn't agree more about having the the district one seat be a Hernando resident. Absolutely, and and right now it encompasses all of Walls. It starts in the northwest corner. Three oh one is the eastern border. The Mississippi River is the western border. It comes down, and when you hit Church Road, it goes due east, and then it takes in Northwest Community College, Plum Point, goes to DeSoto Central High School, and then starts working its way back to church and all the way to Cochrane. It's supposed to be 52,000 people. That's on the 2010 census. Right. Uh, it probably has 75 to 80 at least, maybe 90. We'll more than likely have an, another senator from DeSoto County. We have three now. And we'll probably pick up a four. Redistricting will be, again, coming up in the legislature for Senate seats as well as House of Representatives. Hernando could possibly get another House seat. We'll see. It's uh, and, and Jerry does a good job. Forerunner before him, Robert Foster, did a great job for Hernando. Robert got a million dollars for that Mackinville exit of state money where the state paid a million, city paid a million. And the county paid a million. The county just paid their million when it hit the bank of Hernando. And and that's where government works together. And that's what I try to do is with me down there, Delbert says, okay, well, we've got local government in state politics now. He sits on the board all of them. Well, I didn't want a conflict coming up with Hernando and the state. And that was, that was another reason why I chose not to run it. There is an alderman in Greenwood that's been there for a number of years that still sits on the board. I just didn't want any hard feelings with South Haven, Olive Branch, mm-hmm. Horn Lake Walls, and uh, and the county of me having two positions. I didn't want to look like the Fords of Memphis, right? which <laughs> some of my counterparts. You do live seen. close to a funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I true. do. Very true. <laughs> but I don't own it. <laughs> but I, 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 the Senate is, uh, is an unbelievably humbling experience. When the people decided it was time to make a change and uh decided i was the person to represent them uh the biggest honor of my life knowing uh you know my like what it said in the beginning my dad was a sharecropper uh who, who ran away from home when he was 13 14 years old him and his brother because my grandfather was a bad alcoholic mr mcarray got him out of a cotton field and put him to work in a shoe department he was 18 years old just just knowing my roots, Vicky's roots were her father, a lifetime military, retired from the Navy. He was a Navy corpsman. We're very honored, and uh, it's a great experience for, uh, for us. And uh, all we want to do every day we get up is what can we do for Hernando, District 1, Walls, Eudora, Lewisburg, Bridgetown, Cochrane, Love, as well as Horn Lake, South Haven, Olive Branch. And, and we work well together, uh, David and, and Kevin Blackwell and I. We can't really say that 
for our representative counterparts. They have uh, disagreements. Not that David and uh, Kevin and I don't, but we talk it out. It's what government's about. Where Washington's forgotten that. Unfortunately, some of our uh, our counterparts have as well. You have to vote as your district does. Right. And uh, whatever the issue might be, you know, when, when I ran for Senate, I did not realize that I was going to take on every issue Mississippi ever had in one year. When I said you got to have hard, tough skin uh, as an alderman, you better put the extra armor on as a senator because you're going to get it from nationwide. When a certain vote came up in June, we had uh, some PACs, political action committees, sold our telephone numbers to other states because we were voting how our constituents wanted us to vote. When I went around and, and campaigned on the flag vote, I never mentioned, but when people brought that up, I said, well, look, we voted on that 1991 or two. No, 01. Oh, oh, uh, excuse me, 01. And uh, it was 70-something percent. Well, it was jaded. Uh, however it might be, it was that way. So I want to give another person that option. It shouldn't be up to me. Somebody gave me the option, so I give you the option. Thank you. Overwhelmingly, everyone that ever asked about it, it was let me decide. Now, would DeSoto County have voted to change it? Well, we did. We voted 74%. I just got a phone call from uh, Lieutenant Governor's office. They were reiterating that to me, and that was Republicans. Would they have voted if we had an amendment to put, do you want to keep the old flag? Do you not want to keep it? Yay or nay? If you voted nay, do you like this choice? But that amendment got put down. It did not get accepted. So, but what you're saying is, is that you know, it's not that you were for or against the flag. You were for or against people being able to decide if they wanted the flag. I was for people to decide whether they wanted to keep it or not. Right, but yes. for them or to vote, it. not the legislature to vote, but for it, y'all, it wasn't up for the legislature, right. in my opinion. No, and, and, and that's I just kind of wanted to clarify for the listeners. Yeah, and I appreciate that. It, yeah, if what, I did what not make that say. clear. It was, um, it wasn't up to Michael McLendon. It was up to the fifty-two thousand registered voters or 78 or whatever it might be to decide that um, and you know we uh, we took on other tasks March 13th is when we were uh, told to evacuate the capital because of COVID and we would be called back well when we got called back it uh, is when all the CARES money you know, we were starting to get. So we had to allocate money there. First two weeks we were there, we had uh, voted on a teacher pay raise in the Senate unanimously, give all teachers a pay raise. Unfortunately, the House of Representatives did not take it up before COVID. And when they came back, they weren't sure, well, is the money going to be there or not going to be? And it didn't get passed. I just got off the phone with Nathan Upchurch as I was walking in here. Y'all heard me. That's number one on the books teacher pay raise again um, we got to protect our biggest asset are our children and we have that's our future if we want to grow this place if we want to make this place better we want to enhance it like we were talking about we got to enhance your children mm-hmm. and 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 we're only as good as our weakest link all children uh, not just the ones that can afford to go to private school it's all children and uh we uh, and a, and a college education is not for everyone, and 
state government is seeing that now. Um, we're going to put more money in. We got to have electricians. We got to have plumbers. We got to have people that can work with their hands. In in tomorrow's world, technology, and that's on that's on the forefront. Um, fiber optic is other. The goal is to is to put every place a person that lives in Mississippi be able to have uh, internet, a broadband, right? Absolutely, three hundred thousand a million dollars went to for broadband in Mississippi. Every child that uh, did not have one at home got a computer or a laptop or an iPad, something. Money was allocated for that this past session, and I'm proud of that. So you kind of mentioned a couple of the things that the, the 2021 session will, will look at. Teachers' pay raises, number one. I know the lieutenant governor has come out and said that. Uh, you also mentioned the broadband, of course. They got with $400 million, I think, from the CARES Act to be able to do that, and I know that um, that's going on. Some of the other things, what are a couple of the other ones that the lieutenant governor has mentioned that, that you're interested in, and are there any that you may propose yourself or something that you, you know, may look to, to help sponsor or co-sponsor uh, for this session? The teachers are number one. We've got to help the teachers as well as assistants, not money going to the district, but money going to the classroom. We need to make it easier for businesses to come to Mississippi. Delbert has uh, an MFLEX program that he's calling right now to streamline what it takes to come. This is your taxes. This is the incentives. Right now, you've got, well, I'll just, for instance, AWG, Associated Wholesale Grocers. Great thing for Hernando. It's going to be a refrigerated warehouse that's going to house food and as well as other things that need to be refrigerated uh, for the entire southeast. They kind of played the state against the county, against the city, against uh, a rural water association. If we cut some of these layers out, you know, these are the incentives. This is what a city can give. This is what the county, um, it'll make it much easier, more transparent. It'll be much much better for the citizens of Mississippi. So kind of like a package. So if you say, if you're going to bring 500 jobs, this is what you get. If you're going to bring 150 jobs, this is what you And you just kind of literally like a bullet point summary. I mean, I know it's going to be more complicated than that, but kind of what you're looking for is a bullet point summary of what this is it. You know, we may can negotiate one or two maybe, but, you know, we're going to do it as a group and, and go on. Right, because there's some incentives there that's not being used, which need to go. And there's a couple things that do need to be added. Right. Uh, and, and they've looked at Alabama, Tennessee, what our competitors do, and enhancing them. Kind of reaching out to that on, on the, the type of businesses. We also know that tourism is very important to the state of Mississippi. Are there anything that you are looking at this term for tourism or geared to help with tourism uh, and, and that aspect of it? As you know, the coast is predominantly the, uh, when you think of tourism, is, is the place where warm weather casinos golf uh, fishing but we have fishing right here in our backyard uh, and, and we need to do a better job of promoting that um, when you have four of the best lakes for crappie fishing in the world Arcabella, Sardis, Enid, Grenada I mean within an hour hour and a half drive that's got to be promoted not just to the Missouri commercial fishermen, right. but to our residents uh, and other people that are coming in. The Mississippi Delta, uh, as rich 
you know, with tradition and, and history, there's things to see, there's things to do down northeast Mississippi. Uh, it's beautiful country, beautiful uh, rivers to kayak. But yeah, we are uh, definitely doing the bringing in uh, and, and Delbert streamlined that as adding a tourism to uh, to economic development. Delbert's a smart man, you know. Everybody out there may not agree with. Uh, all his politics smart smart man and uh he's got some great ideas for uh, for our future well we again we really appreciate uh, you coming on this morning and and kind of breaking down your experiences you know with the city and, and how you have helped the city and then the board of aldermen have over the last eight years and really looking forward to uh, uh the next couple of years at, uh, at least that you have in the senate if not more is there anything else that you would like to i guess end with uh talking to the residents of hernando of your district of your senate district um and any thoughts that you may have well um you know we talk a lot about hernando but but in the county still we've got a group fighting annexation you got uh, olive branch trying to annex 51 square miles to me that's an overreach of government it's uh people move to the county for a reason bridgetown is uh, a homeowners association that's been there since 1974 or 5 and nobody's ever wanted them but now they do beautiful place those two lakes sunset lake and, and it's not it's not right for uh those citizens not to have some kind of say so whether they get annexed that's a that's an alderman's opinion and I, i'm not thinking that when I think of Alderman, I try to look at what if they're next door to me. I always go back to, okay, what if that's their problem is my problem? So I think those people should have a, a, a vote in it. I had a bill last year, didn't get through committee, and, and it's tough. Annexation is a tough fight. Uh, I'll have another bill that if you're uh, in a proposed annexation area, you'll have a right to yay or nay. If they get a 70% vote that says, no, I don't want to get annexed, I don't think they should. Now, my counterparts in municipalities will say, well, commercially, over 70% of the businesses are in a municipality. So, you know, there you weigh the uh, the good and the bad. We're talking about residential property. All of that's pretty much residential if they want. Some could be commercial, just depending on growth. But uh, I got a bill for that. I'm, I'm doing a bill that if you do get annexed, you don't have to pay the, the property tax or that the car tax i wanted to do it for two years but they said they wouldn't dare bring it out of committee so i only get one year it's is it a sad to the pain maybe is it worth it i don't know it's something our county roads we've got the best roads in any county in mississippi and doing that we've created super speedways because municipalities can run radar but the sheriff's department cannot so everyone knows once you get out of that municipality hit it you can go as fast as you want to so i proposed a bill for uh, the reason for it is not to, for the sheriff's department to have an overreach it's to protect lives of teenagers because there's so many accidents that teenagers are having on our on our county roads uh you can go and you see a cross at this uh crossroad this crossroad even at a bridge wherever it might be so uh if, if even if it's only two radar guns that the sheriff has per patrol, you don't know which county car has it, so you'll slow down. Now, there will be stipulations where they can't be 500 yards within a municipality to set it up. They can't be 500 yards within a speed limit sign. And all the money goes to either classrooms, drug addiction. We talked about roads and bridges, but I, I really would rather have it go into uh, the classrooms 
or uh, or to say a DUI court or something like that. You know, but uh, those two, a couple of other things, municipalities, it, it's not fair for them to have to take full page ads in local newspapers. In today's time, let them put it on social media. More people see social media than they do DeSoto Times. You're talking about the 30-day publication. Yes. yes. So, and, and that would save a lot of money. So let them do that. Rural Physician Scholarship Program, where we grow our own doctors in Mississippi. Put more money into that so we can have doctors in rural areas. It, it's crazy not, and it's a great program. Well, let's enhance that program. Put more money to that. Right. And that would help with uh, Rural not having enough doctors of the Delta southern parts of Mississippi. We're doing some good things, and uh, I'm uh, I'm on eight committees. I'm vice chair of uh, insurance committee, which makes sense. I've been in insurance 27 years. I'm uh, a big part of the municipality, also on transportation, as well as uh, the big one that I asked for was education. And I'm proud to say that I'm the only legislator in DeSoto County. It's on an education committee, so which you know I, I say I'm proud to say, but I'm, I'm, it's kind of it's kind of heartbreaking that more aren't. Well, you think that maybe even the lieutenant governor or somebody would ask you more to be on there since we do have the best school system in the state. Hey. You would think they would want people on there that are actually from that area. You know, with thirty-five thousand kids, and um, I think they have forty-five hundred employees, uh, forty-two schools in one school district and everybody down in jackson says man y'all got it figured out well, yes we do let us help you figure it out yeah we, we should have 82 school districts 82 uh, and 82 superintendents <laughs> but you you've got that hometown pride that hillbilly ego that's what we call it we always do it that way so let's keep doing it or johnny graduated from there and grandma and great grandma and so let's don't consolidate that but you know we have to do what's best for the kids, not what we did in the past. Um, also on uh, appropriations, which is the purse strings of, of Senate committees, uh, business and financial institutions, um, highway transportation. Uh, new one I'm on is technology uh, and investigate state offices, which is usually a do-nothing committee, but that one's probably going to turn into a little bit more. So. Uh, but uh, I'm proud that uh, Delbert had uh, confidence in me to give me eight committees. Um, again, I, 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 he's let me have a, a big help with the municipality committee because of you know, my knowledge, being on the board for two terms. So, uh, right. But uh, anybody out there that needs to get a hold of me um, with any kind of uh, it, whether it be advice or uh, complaint or uh, suggestion, it's welcome to uh, text, call me, send me a message. My cell phone number is 901-219-0900. Uh, you can reach me, email at mmaclinden at senate dot ms dot gov and uh or you can reach me at facebook at uh michael mclendon senate we uh we welcome any any and all suggestions uh or uh attaboys or don't do that so, <laughs> so 
that's part of politics. And, and I hope these uh, new aldermen and our mayor, you know, we haven't even mentioned, uh, apparently we're going to have two uh, mayor candidates this time. So have thick skin and uh, look at a person. Don't be afraid to ask them questions. As a matter of fact, if they won't answer your question, then, you know, maybe you might need to question whether that's the person you need or not. Right. Um, I know there's been uh, some talk of, of uh, Hernando ordinances uh, and uh, sign ordinance in particular. Uh, I, I'll just go by my experience. I've run three campaigns in seven years, and uh, I could not put signs out before 60 days, and I had to have them up 10 days after the election. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And that was under two different mayors in Hernando. So uh, as, a, as a constituent and as a resident, I think that we appreciate that because if there is no limit, if there is no policy or code into what that's done, and you could have people leaving signs up just for four years until it's time to run again or up to that amount, and that's not – no city wants that. Uh, no resident wants that. It, I think by the – First or second week, once everybody signs up, everybody's already tired of the signs. You know who you're voting for, or at least probably 95% of the people do. Uh, and then, you know, once it's over, everybody wants them down the next day. Now, as you said, they give them 10 days. But everybody wants them down because it's, it's, it's an eyesore. It's an absolute eyesore. And so, again, I'm, I'm pro-sign ordinance. But, uh, you know, that, that's a, a topic that, you know, the aldermen have tried to bring up before it's been postponed a couple of times they may bring it up again but it's something that I, th I believe a city should have and i agree uh or i would have just left my three thousand yard signs and 104 by eights out yeah, there yeah i mean do you have no incentive to take them down if there's no code i mean i'm 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 mayor or i'm alderman or whatever and so here's my sign this in my yard every day all day 365 four years and i just i can't i can't be on board with that <laughs> um i agree you know we we have uh we have ordinances and laws for a reason, and uh, if if they need to be challenged in court, then by God, challenge them. If not, take them off the books. Um, and, and that's my thought. Communication goes a long way. I hope whoever comes in uh, and takes my place communicates and listens and uh, goes and see the people that that have concerns uh don't fall into the trap of uh, uh a, a developer that uh is is going to do the right thing because when you rezone something it's not the the person that brings it to you that you should be concerned about it's the time that that property is sold the second person that owns it or the third person that owns it because once you rezone it it's rezoned right um, and and we should we should really take a look at uh, what we what we let build here. Let's let's go back and rethink. Uh, will will people buy this type of house? Yeah, it may cost a little bit, but isn't it worth the investment? Well, we re we really do appreciate, and we being Matt and I, uh, and also uh, just the. the citizens that you represent the job that you've done over the last eight years 
Uh, we do, you know, we've got six years left, so we're not telling you goodbye yet. But, um, <laughs> we, you know, we look forward to what you have to, to finish it off, some of the things that you mentioned today uh, that you would like to see done bef before your term ends. Uh, but we also uh, thank you for the job that you've done uh, for maintaining Hernando while also, as you said, uplifting it, you know, correctly. Uh, but also the, the job in the Senate. And we do look forward to uh, the, the rest of your term, your current term, uh, especially the session that starts tomorrow. We also, you know, we will reach out, and we appreciate your openness. And uh, just thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for coming on our show today. And we hope that you'll come back uh, maybe when the session's over to kind of recap everything. Hopefully, I think the, if I looked right, the, the lieutenant governor had, I think, seven things that he published uh, that he said were on his agenda. And uh, now, he obviously, he may have more. But we'll kind of talk about those seven things maybe in a March or April wrap-up if, if you would, you know, give us the opportunity and uh, and uh, be able to do that absolutely I would love to anytime uh, you know two things I didn't talk about I wanted for Hernando uh, Hernando has no uh, tornado shelter uh, MEMA will will fund uh, a tornado shelter you know and the city put up 20 percent and uh, now there's a cap on that whether I believe it's two million, which, you know, in this day and time, it, it, there, there aren't many structures here that that can do that. Right. Um, also, we've got a jewel that's not being uh, utilized in in the Vaughn Theater. I want to see if there's state money there. I want to find it. Any penny that we can to put back into that Vaughn Theater. I mean, we, we're talking about places where, you know, the greats of rock and roll and country music played. And it's sitting right here, two blocks from the courthouse. And why aren't we utilizing that? So that's another thing. Uh, that water tower at Christmas time would look great with lights. The wind pool down at the coast uh, is full of money. And uh, we could utilize some of that money and put it into rural fire trucks. Um, and at the present time, you have to buy brand new fire trucks. Well, why do some municipalities can only buy, you know, this amount of a used fire truck because that's all they can spend? Well, that's okay for these rural areas also. They could buy a five-year-old fire truck. And um, so that law needs to be tweaked um, to where it's okay for um, – Holmes County to, to be able to get a truck that may be three years old. Right. Uh, and those are things, you know, little things like that, that uh, being in the insurance business uh, will help. And, uh, again, if anybody out there has any ideas that, that they want to see that need to be tweaked at the state level, um, please don't hesitate to contact me. And thank you all for uh, – for asking me y'all are very generous to, uh, to to ask me to come on and uh, I'm pretty long-winded at times um, but the reason for that I'm passionate mm -hmm. I'm passionate about where where we live about what I do and uh, I care about this place again we're caretakers we're only here for a certain amount of time don't screw it up right <laughs> let's make it better for the next generation or two and thank y'all. Y'all are making it better. Well, we appreciate that, and, and we, we we enjoy doing it. We love having people like you come on and educate 
uh, everybody listening. So, um, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for all that you do. And, uh, we, again, we hope to have you back on in March or April. You got it. All right.